destroyed Thanos. But it's not over. My work is inevitable. There will always be more to finish it. This is just the beginning. She tore a hole in space. There's a different reality leading into ours. Carol Devers, aka Captain Marvel, has reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and taken revenge of the supreme intelligence. But unintended consequences see Carol shouldering the burden of a destabilized universe. When her duties send her to an anomalous wormhole linked to a Kree revolutionary, her powers become entangled with that of Jersey City superfan Kamala Khan, aka Miss Marvel, and Carol's estranged niece, now Saber astronaut Captain Monica Rambeau. Together, this unlikely trio must team up and learn to work in concert to save the universe as the Marvels. Welcome to the Logical Podcast. My name is River, and I'll be reviewing and recapping the Marvels 2023. Now, I've uh, lost count, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of me, being a self-proclaimed, and many of my friends would attest to this, um, I'm self-proclaimed huge Marvel fan slash encyclopedia MCU the Watcher, I don't know what you want to call me, like how you would describe me, but it's something like that. Um, but I should say it was once upon a time like that. And um, for those of you who have been following the MCU from day one, as loyal fans would, you know, from day one, 2008, from when the very first MCU film came out, that was Iron Man, um, all the way up until the end of the Infinity Saga, which was uh, unofficially... Avengers Endgame. I say unofficially because it's Spider-Man Far From Home is technically the last movie of the Infinity Saga, but the story of the Infinity Saga ends with Endgame. And then obviously following it all the way through Phase 4 and 5. Um, so if you're like me, and I, I could probably safely say the majority of the fans out there haven't really enjoyed Phase 4 and 5. And I'm saying that in a nice way. <laughs> I think uh, some, including myself, would be um, would have a strong opinion on Phase 4 and 5 being absolute trash. Um, if I can put it so eloquently, but yes, trash. <laughs> um, but as much as I want to talk about the MCU at large, um, and I do want to talk about Phase 4 and 5, I might save that for another episode, as some, some 
sometime down the track. Um, if you have been following this podcast, you would have noticed or maybe even listened to the almost three hours. I think it's actually over three hours. Um, phase four recap, which was the episode we wanted to bring out before Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was a couple of years ago. Um, so maybe I do something similar on track, but I'm losing my motivation. And a movie like the Marvels only makes it worse, unfortunately. So um, I'm going to give you my quick thoughts, uh, some highlights, <laughs> if there are any, um, and some lowlights, which is the vast majority of this review is going to be lowlights. Um, and um, yeah, just, just give you my overall impressions first, and then we get into the plot. All right, so... Um, I, I went in this like how I'd normally do with most Marvel movies, um, and except it's a little bit different these days, as I mentioned before. Not not very enthusiastic about the MCU um, because the MCU has hundreds and hundreds. Uh, sorry, Phase Four and Five of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has hundreds and hundreds of hours of content already, and that's part of the problem why the quality of work the quality of storytelling has been heavily diluted and that's um the sheer volume of content has something to do with it absolutely um but it's just lost its creative direction and vision so coming into this i wasn't as enthusiastic um one, one of the one of the signs of me not being enthusiastic about this is i didn't see this on opening night i saw this a whole seven days later a whole week later, I saw this. And um, being a MCU fanatic, I'm there opening night, first session, you know. So things have changed. Not that motivated anymore. So I went to see it tonight with a couple of friends, um, my Watchtower boys. Um, shout out to the Watchtower boys. Um, got a new member in the Watchtower, Hawkgirl. <laughs> no, 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 it's a little bit of a running joke at the moment. Um, yeah, so we're going to watch it tonight. And um, I was optimistic going into this. And I have a good reason to be optimistic. You know, I want to give Marvel Studios the benefit of the doubt because they gave us 11 years of awesome, awesome content. 11 years of awesomeness. No one's ever done that before. Not even big Star Wars before it became a Disney property. No one's ever done, like, it's like a large-scale TV series in a way, right? The MCU films, that films, their movies, obviously. They weren't TV series. Post-Infinity um, uh, post War, post-Infinity Saga, there are obviously TV series now. But the MCU from 2008 all the way to 2019, um, it felt like a large-scale movie TV series that was heavily inter interconnected and just beautiful to watch. Um, now we're at this part of the MCU, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I have every reason to be optimistic. I have every reason to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've done 11 years of awesome content. So I was open-minded. I wanted to be optimistic to see through a certain lens of objectivity to some degree and obviously reviews and recaps are subjective. And it's, uh, it's down to the eyes of the beholder what your perspective on a film is. Um, so in saying that, ah, this movie was hard to watch it's it's very very bad 
quite bad actually. <laughs> um, and yeah, I hate to sound like a De Debbie Downer, but um, it was it was really really bad. The storytelling in this is is close to as simple and kiddish as uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Um, uh, <laughs> that might sound mean, but you know, Shark Boy and Lava Girl is actually quite entertaining. It's not a great movie, but it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining as a kids kids film. Uh, but the Marvels just had a very very weak story. Now. Its premise is, as you would expect from, from most kind of, uh, let's say, origin superhero stories, um, where there's a villain, there's a good person, you know, the good person is trying to take down the villain, and the villain has some kind of a shallow purpose as to why that villain is doing what that villain is doing, right? And so in this film, the villain's objective is to um, rebuild Hala, uh, so the hollow, so the name of the villain is uh, Darbin. Terrible name, also by the way. Uh, Darbin, played by Zawi Ashton. Never seen uh, this this young lady's work before, but um, she plays the character. She plays the villain, and her backstory. It's interesting that there is there is some some depth and there's some there's some meat and potatoes to take from her backstory, but the way she's utilized in this film is just not handled very well at all. And I want to get into these details once we get into the recap. Um, so, yeah, a super weak villain that doesn't have a very compelling story um, as it unfolds. I think the story itself is good enough to to change its direction, change its sort of creative uh, output. But um, the way that they handle the story, the way they handle her backstory, it's just it's, it's very shallow and boring. Um the three main actresses, Brie Larson, Tiona, uh, Tiona, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Tiona Paris, who plays Mar Monica Rambeau, Aman Villani, playing Kamala Khan, Samuel Jackson, oh, sorry, just those three I mentioned, not Samuel Jackson, but just those three females, they were great. They were very, very good actresses. And these are the, some of the high points of the film, which is not very many, as I said before, but they were great. But the problem is they were given very, very poor character arcs and very, very poor story to work with. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I did say I did, um, I did say this synopsis at the beginning of this podcast, but um, I just want want to, um, I just want to mention it again, but just strip it down a little bit, just to give you some emphasis as to why this movie just was quite badly structured and. The story was was awful to <laughs> to to watch. Um, so so Darbin has this purpose to rebuild Hala because Hala is like in this bad state. Hala is the planet that Darbin comes from, and Darbin is a uh, part of the uh, race called uh, the Kree. And um, Hala has been pretty much decimated. You know, they've lost like all the oxygen for them to breathe um, healthily. Not lost the oxygen, but you know they got bad. But they got pollution in the air, let's say, and everybody's like wearing masks and they can't breathe. Um, they can't breathe properly. They don't have any sun. They got no water. So they've been stripped of all their resources. And the purpose of Darbin is to rebuild Hala by all means costs. Uh, by all, yeah, by all means. Um, and Captain Marvel and 
the other two Marvels, well, one's called uh, um, Photon. That's her character name in the comics, but they don't call her a Photon in the in the movie. Um, them three have to come together in, in order for them to take down Darbin because Darbin is going to create destruction across the the galaxy or across the universe in order for her to get her resources. And so for her to get her resources, she has to take um, energy from the sun or steal the sun from Earth, take water from this godforsaken planet that I don't even want to talk about, but I kind of have to in the recap, um, and uh, take like oxygen or um, uh, the atmosphere from another planet that the, um, the Skrulls, um, which is another race that's introduced into the MCU, uh, the Skrulls, um adoptive or foster planet i should say because that race was also um trying to find a planet to find refuge and so they're refugees in like this other type of planet anyway so there's three pa- three places where darbin is trying to get resources in order for, the, for her to rebuild um hala and the 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 gripe that she has with Captain Marvel was because she feels that Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers, is responsible for Hala being in this state. Now, <laughs> it's very contrived in the way they explain this, and nothing. But by the time we get to the end of the film, um, so many of the things that the character Carol Danvers was was doing um, in order for her to to um, like make uh, make do on her promise to restore Hala um, was going against the very thing that she was trying to fight against, which was take down Darbin, so Darbin doesn't take down the planets that she was stealing from. <laughs> and so the whole film does has this concerted effort to um, take down Darbin because she's stealing resources from planets um, and Captain Marvel and Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau are, are, you know, teaming up to do this, to take down Darbin from taking those resources. But then by the time, spoiler alert, this is a full-on spoiler um, review and recap. I probably should have said that at the beginning, but <laughs> spoiler alert, um, they spend the whole film doing that, but then they get to the end and... Um, Captain Marvel has a conscience about um, this guilt that she's been carrying by taking down Hala. So <laughs> they end up killing the villain because the villain is doing villainous evil things by destroying or attempting to destroy planets and costing a lot of lives. Um, they take her down, but then Captain Marvel says, yeah, we need to we need to help Hala now <laughs> and rebuild Hala because she feels responsible for it. She took down the super intelligence, which is something that's like brushed over really, really quick. It's I guess it's a subplot, or to me, it's like an important piece of the story that happens between the first Captain Marvel movie and the Marvels. Um, so she goes and she takes on the super intelligence, which is the super AI that kind of controls or dictates what happens on this planet called Hala, takes it down, and then um, there's a civil war that breaks out between the creek. She feels responsible for it, so then she gets this kind of guilt trip because this is what Darbin says to her at the end before they kill her. Um, And she decides to say, yes, I'm going to help rebuild Hala. So she goes to help rebuild Hala while all the resources have been stripped from all these other planets. And mind you, they have these big, big holes 
in their atmosphere or something like that because they need to have these kind of um, time space holes in order for them to transfer the resources from planet to planet. Like what's happening with those holes in those planets and what's happening in those planets that have lost their resources. It's kind of just open-ended. So the very thing that they were fighting for hasn't been solved, but yet she decided to solve the issue of Hala. <laughs> Which is, so, so, so the story is heavily contrived. It kind of just push and pulls itself, and kind of eats itself inside out. I don't even, I don't know if many people pick this out, the story. That's part of, that's part of maybe a big chunk as to why the movie is so weak. But other than that, um, I do, I do like the actresses, Brie Larson, Tiana Paris and Imani, Iman, Iman Vellani. They are great, but unfortunately they were given bad characters. Um, or I should say bad written characters. Everything else is kind of like, yeah, it's, it's flashy. Um, this, this movie had a budget of 275 million. Um, and it has a very short runtime of like one hour and 45 minutes, which is really bizarre to have a budget so large, you know, it's almost like this, a similar budget, if not more than the first Avengers movie that came out in 2010. Um, and the first Avengers movie was a runtime of like two eighteen or something like that or two twenty. Um, but they, I think this movie went through a lot of reshoots. It went through a lot of um, complicated issues, you know, behind the scenes between big Marvel studio heads and um, creative people, whatever. So I think it suffered from that a little bit, and a lot of and the studio just getting involved too much in the creative process, I'd imagine. Um, so, but there's still kind of no excuse. You're spending that much money. You need to make a good story. Um, the writers for this film, Megan, sorry, I just start with the director. The director of this film is Nia DeCosta. This is her third film. She has directed other things, but they're more shorts or TV series. Um, she wrote the film alongside Megan McDonald, who was the writer for one or at least one of the writers for all nine episodes of WandaVision. I quite enjoyed WandaVision, which was one of the first pieces of content to come out of Phase 4. Then we have Alyssa Karaski, um, who was one of the writers for six episodes of Season 1 Loki. So all episodes. Um, And I really love Loki. I think Loki is the best piece of content in Phase 4 and 5. Um... So I don't know where they went wrong here. Like, um, we have great writers here. Not, not too sure about the credibility of Nia DeCosta's writing, um, but I trust that the Marvel studio heads know what they're doing when they're, when they're selecting certain creative people to be directing and writing. Um, they've proven in the past that they select um, usually unknown people and they end up working out to be incredible visionaries, you know, for the stories that they're trying to tell. Uh, so Megan McDonald and uh, Alyssa Karaski, and Nia DaCosta, I, I, don't, I don't know where they went wrong with the storytelling in this. It was just, it was a simple story that was told in a very, very diluted way. And this, the structure of the story, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just they could have told it in a much more compelling way. You know, have a bit more tension. It lacked the emotional depth that these characters needed. And anything that they were trying to touch on with emotional tone was just... It fell short. Um, there's a moment where Brie Larson's character, like she's acting her soul out in this particular moment towards the end, and she ends up shedding a few tears, crying, but that emotional um, scene, it, 
it it would have been something if we had built these characters with um, a sense of compelling journey that was putting the characters through turmoil and stress or putting them through challenges in order for them to come out of the end to have a very, very cathartic experience for that character arc. None of that happened. And so any emotion that the characters were feeling, we, we as the, or I as the audience member, wasn't feeling any of that. I was, there was no connection to any of that. And it's just, it's just very, very disappointing. Um, and in saying that, I want to get to the consensus of this, which is, um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus is it's funny, refreshingly brief, and elevated by the chemistry of its three leads. I agree with the chemistry of the three leads. The Marvel is as easy to enjoy in the moment, despite its cult, its cluttered story and jumbled total shifts. And I do agree with that last part, but this doesn't make sense when the critics get it 62%. Oh, actually, that probably makes it, makes a little bit of sense. But the audience rating is very high by 84%. I don't agree with any of those things. Um, and for good reason that I just mentioned before. But nonetheless, I'm going to get into the plot and I'm going to take a deep dive into the Marvels. All right. Starting from the very beginning, Carol Danvers defies the influence of the supreme intelligence and destroys it, which leads to a Kree civil war and the desolation of their home world, Hala. The conflict renders the planet barren as it loses its air, water, and sunlight. Darben, the new leader of the Kree, retrieves one of the quantum bands. And this is the first time that they've confirmed that the bands that we uh, first got introduced to in the Miss Marvel TV series, um, where it's a TV series about Kamala Khan, um, we get confirmed that this is a quantum band. Now, a very quick side note about what the quantum bands are. Quantum bands are a very, very powerful artifact in Marvel Comics. Now, when they confirmed this in the film, I I was shocked. Well, not shocked, but I, I was uh, excited, <laughs> I should say. I was excited because I, I know a little bit about the quantum bands. They're very, very powerful tools. I know in the comics that you can use, characters can use the con quantum bands to travel the multiverse. So when this gets confirmed, because it's not confirmed in, in Miss Marvel, it's confirmed in this film. And there's a few really exciting reveals that happen in this as well, which we'll get into later in the, in the recap. Um, quantum bands of which Kabbalah Khan has on the other half. Darbin harnesses the power of the band to tear open a jump point in space. I said that really weird. Let me say that again. Darbin harnesses the power of band to tear open a jump point in space that actually wasn't that much different <laughs> the resulting anomaly is discovered by sword sword uh, meanwhile nick fury now residing at the saber sp space station hosts peace talks between the kree and the scrolls Monica Rambo investigates a jump point anomaly near saber while danvers investigates the source of the anomaly where darbin found the quantum band. When Rambo touches the anomaly, she, she, Danvers, and Kamala switch places through teleportation. The switching causes the three to fight each other's Kree's enemies, leaving the Khans' house destroyed in their wake. Now, this is the the chunk of, uh, let's say, the first act of this film. Um, 
there's a lot that kind of goes on. There's there's some uh, there's a lot of jumping, so to speak. Obviously, it's a lot of jumping from one location to another, um, and this whole act it's enjoyable, but it feels very very clustered. And I think a lot of that maybe comes down to the um, the editing. I don't think the editing was um, as sharp or as efficient as maybe efficient's not the word, but the editing was was just choppy, choppy in the sense that um, it wasn't a smooth editing process going from one location to another. Um, you know, trying to understand like how these quantum bands work. I think they did a pretty good job at explaining how the quantum bands work without getting into any science jargon but just the whole the whole act felt clunky and um it it just felt a little a little bit messy and i think this was foreshadowing what the rest of the film was going to be like um albeit that the rest of the film isn't edited the same way and i think this is where we get into um tonal differences is that the movie struggles to identify what type of movie it's trying to be and i think the beginning of this film this first actor that i just read, uh, read out um it's an indication of them not knowing exactly the type of film that it wants to be on one hand it's trying to be sci-fi um and on another hand it's trying to be a little bit comedic um but and, and i don't think there's anything wrong i'm not i'm not implying that there's anything wrong with mixing the genres together but when you do that, you have to have a narrative structure that's going to support any of the genres that you're trying to throw into the mix. So the the editing feels a little bit choppy in this. And um, and the way that they introduce the villain in this is it's it's almost like you're you're you're, you're taking a bite of the dessert before you get to the main, right? And what I'm trying to say here is that we're we're discovering something about the villain that I feel like should have been explained long before we got to that moment where the villain picks up the the quantum bands. I think there's a missed opportunity to dive into the history of Cree and her um, and her kind of affiliation to the Cree. Um, and if it's not if it's not established in the beginning, you'd at least expect it to happen or that establishment to happen throughout the film or by the time we get to the end of the film. But you, you don't want to leave it too close to the end of the film because you're going to run out of time to really flesh out that character. But um, they actually do none of that at all. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with it not being in the beginning, but if it's not going to be in the rest of the film, then you're kind of left with a, a, a very diluted villain that has the purpose seems so meaningless um, because there's just no connection with her story um anyway so so that's part of the reason why it's a little bit choppy i think the way we get introduced to these characters too as well especially like um uh kamal khan so kamal khan the way she, the way she is and the way her tv series is is very much a solid i know what kind of tone and i know what kind of tv series i want to be now that this was integrated into this film and a film that is on one hand, trying to be mature, adult-like action, um, you know, that kind of sense of uh, groundedness, I suppose. Um, but they integrated Miss Marvel's tone and graphics. 
like exactly the same as the, as the TV series. It's no different. It's it's not even like a hint to that. Now, um, what comes to mind is is directors that did this very very well of bringing the melting pot of characters together from their own respective tones and their own respective story structures and whatever and bring it into this kind of beautiful, cohesive melting pot where the Rooster Brothers, they did that with Infinity War. And a scene that I'm thinking about specifically is when we get introduced to the Guardians. The Guardians have a very specific tone, obviously. If you've seen the Guardians, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and that's this... this um, it's, it's sort of, uh, they sort of massage the 80s theme in it because Peter Quill grew up in the 80s and he was a big fan of mixtapes and stuff. And so the way the Russo brothers introduced that, the maybe it's editing, maybe it's, not oh, maybe, <laughs> it is definitely writing and direction and, and, and putting the pieces together correctly so that it doesn't feel so jarring. And I think the, the problem with, with the beginning of this, and it sets the tone for the rest of the, rest of the film, it's just jarring the way they introduce these characters and it just doesn't click. And you don't get that. You don't get that emotional connection that you should get with a character to go along on the journey. Um, and that's very unfortunate. So moving on to the next part of the recap, after the three women return to their original places, Fury and Rambo visit Kamala on earth as Kamala eagerly demonstrates her powers. She switches places with Danvers. When Davis flies away, she switches places with Kabbalah and Medea. The group surmises that their light-based powers are linked through quantum entanglement and that they switch places when any of the three use their powers simultaneously. Now, I'm going to stop right there just, just for a brief moment. Now, um, for, the, for the most part of this film, they explain things through dialogue. My rule of thumb um, when it comes to criticizing films or reviewing films is that I have no problem with people having exposition through dialogue. Um, And in fact, sometimes it's quite important. Sometimes it's necessary to have exposition through dialogue. Um, But over-exposition can be a negative thing through dialogue if you only have your characters standing around telling you things the entire time. Now... The only, if, if I was to think about this movie um, and how we get its exposition, I'm almost certain that we wouldn't have known the plot um, <laughs> if they hadn't said it as characters. Uh, now, the fact that they even mentioned that these bands are, are linking us together through quantum entanglement, this is... Um, this is a use case for Monica Rambeau because she's a scientist. So she's she's kind of like the walking exposition for science jargon, um, even though her supporting actresses don't know what she's talking about. And I don't think that there is any effort to further explain it into layman terms. There might be a couple of examples, but I don't remember that very clearly. Um, and this can become a problem because if, if you're very – if you're if you're if the only reason you have to tell the story is through expositionary dialogue, it's not as it makes for a pretty boring story. Um, let the let the audience just go on the journey with the character discovering things. Um, 
getting themselves involved in things, getting themselves involved in situations that um, allows for the story to tell itself. And I don't think any of that happened at all. I think it was all through the expositionary dialogue. Um, yeah. Moving on. The three join up to Skrull refugee colony on the planet, Tarnax, where talks of the settlement have dissolved. Darbin rips open another jump point, which siphons the atmosphere of Tarnax into Hala to try and restore its air. After a hasty effort to evacuate the colony, Danvers, Rambo, and Kamala form a team informally referred to by Kamala as da, 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 the Marvels. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep going and then I'll talk a little bit about that. Danvers informs the others of the legend that the quantum bands uh, had been used to create the Jump Point Transportation Network. The three become entangled due to their mutual contact with its energy when Darben disrupted it. Darben's repeated rupturing of jump points is causing further instability to the network and endangering the universe. Okay, so um, the reason why I stopped on um, on that line there, uh, former team and in, informally referred to by Kamala as the Marvels, how um, I was always kind of wondering, like, are they go they're going to try and drop um, their kind of title? Uh, they're going to find a way to to call this team, um, if it is a team, a certain name. Um, and I didn't think they would go as far as, like, saying, yeah, let's call ourselves the Marvels inside the movie itself. They actually did that. And the character, uh, Kamala's, like, real purpose um, – um, in these types of scenes where the, she's trying to figure out like a good name for her, for her friend who is, or her newfound friend, Monica Rambo, she's like tossing around all these different names and it's kind of funny and it suits her character. Like it's definitely within the realm of what her character would be doing because she's young and she's enthusiastic. She, she's inspired by working with the two, especially Captain Marvel. And so she, she's, she's kind of the one that's taken on, this purpose of like let's discover the names and and it's just such a corny predictable way of them landing with the team name as the marvels and it's a little cringe it was a little bit hard to, not a little bit hard it was very very hard to listen to this um but yeah like you know the way that i just explained that last part of the recap um that's that's literally that's literally what the characters are explaining throughout the film without, again, like what I was saying before, um, showing us the story, um, just characters standing around telling us what the story is. And I get it. There's a lot of like like science jargon in this. But you know what? Like the audience is pretty smart. You don't have to have like always science jargon. You can have ways. You can have smart ways of, of explaining the theory and the science like through other characters that are perhaps asking questions, right? But it doesn't have to always just be characters standing in a room talking about it. And that's what they're doing in this particular room, which is the spaceship, Captain Marvel spaceship. They're just standing around talking. Yeah, they're doing things like training with teamwork and all that kind of stuff. But these scenes are just kind of a waste of budget. <laughs> there could have been other ways that they do team up um, or they do teamwork or uh, like training as a team. Um, there's other ways that they could have done that, and there's a much more efficient way they could have done it. I think they spend like a good 15 minutes just doing the teamwork stuff. Maybe not 15 minutes, but a little bit less. It feels like a long time. Um, 
and that sort of leads into to my point about this not being a very good film because they spend a lot of time doing stuff that are not important in the story and this movie is only out one hour and 45 minutes and this is getting into this part where it's the worst part probably in the entire mcu and i'm about to read it to you so hold tight Darwin reaches the water planet aladdin aladna (laughs) the water planet aladna where she tears open a jump point to draw the ocean into Hala. Her final plan is to uh, usurp Earth's sun to restore that of Hala. The Marvels fight and subdue Darbin, but she steals Kamala's band and uses both bangles in conjunction to tear open another hole in space. The act destroys Darbin and leaves behind a rupture into the multiverse. Okay, it's sort of skipped a massive part, like it kind of touched on a little bit, which is the planet. Um, Aladna, our characters come into this planet called Aladna, and it's a bloody high school musical. <laughs> I could not believe what I was watching here. Now, um, with all seriousness, like I was saying before, the tonal shifts in this film is jarring, unnecessary, and quite stupid. Um, and this just underscores and highlights that point so much so that my friend KJ was ready to walk out of the film. <laughs> like as soon as the scene started, it was unreal, unreal. We have a full-on musical, high school musical, uh, theater musical, I don't know, like a full-on musical when we reach this planet because the, char- the, the inhabitants of this planet, their language is singing. Now, whoever came up with this idea needs to be fired. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If this podcast gets to one of the writers, look, I'm saying this with um with uh with sincere and care and care. This does not work in the film that you are trying to or in the film that you wrote. It does not work. The tone is not there. You're not anchoring the film with anything substantial. And for you to throw in a musical, this waste time in in such limited storytelling real estate, a waste time when you could be spending a lot more of that time fleshing out your main characters. Your main characters are not fleshed out. They're somewhat shallow. And yes, there is some kind of responsibility and reliability on the viewers to be keeping up to date with MCU stuff. But you know what? The MCU is growing. And Marvel Studios, this is more a criticism on um, Kim Feige, and I guess his, his team is team of 12 or can't remember how many people it was something like 12 it's almost like jesus and the 12 disciples but um so it's kind of a criticism on on mcu at the moment is that you need to find a way to create content like you did in the in, in the infinity saga in phase one to three find a way to make interesting stories that gives you subtle subtle hints for other people to feel organically interested to watch the other content in order for them to make the connection now with this the universe growing so much and the volume of content expanding at an unprecedented rate, you know, having that expectation on your viewers is a little bit unfair. And um, with the, with a the, with a movie like this, that's supposed to be a big hitter. Uh, yes, it's up for the summer, but it's supposed to be a big hitter. It's supposed to be a big hitter in phase five, which we're in. Um, it doesn't have that Im- impact because the runtime is so short. 
and you've wasted that short runtime by having something as stupid as a musical. What? <laughs> um, it doesn't work tonally. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. There's no anchor to the film already. And it just, the movie just falls apart completely once you add in something like a musical because you just decided that you think you thought a musical might be a good idea. I'm sorry. It's not a good idea. Just detracts everything, every kind of serious nature you're trying to bring to the story. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe it. Now, um, we're at the end of the, uh, pretty much at the end of the recap. Um, Darbin gets destroyed by trying to click the quantum bands together and ruptures a big, or there's a big rupture into the multiverse. Um, And uh, where am I? (laughs) After Kamala, after Kamala reclaims the bands, she and Danvers use their combined powers to energize Rambo, allowing her to close the hole from the other side stranding her in the process. Danvers flies into Hullah's son and uses her power to restore it. Coming up to the last part of the recap, the short-lived team team up inspires Kamala to seek out other heroes and form a new group, starting with Kate Bishop. Uh, and then we're going to get into the mid-credit scene, which is the last, uh, it's kind of the only stinger of this film. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, let's just talk about this last part of the main story a bit, where um, uh, Energized Rambo, allowing her to close the hole from the other side, stranding her in the process. Danvers flies into Hala's son to use her powers to restore it. Now, again, beginning almost at the beginning of this uh, recap, I mentioned that the very thing that the characters are doing to fight against is then redacted (laughs) it's redacted um and taken back because of the fact that she now has she danvers decides to fly into halasan and and give all the powers like gonna give her the powers give all the resources um (laughs) that that halan needs which is the very thing that darbin was fighting for and creating extinction across other planets but they didn't repair, or at least they didn't show it in the in the movie. They didn't show any any efforts for Captain Marvel to help out the other planets that have lost their resources to Hollow that you've now saved when you've been fighting against it the entire film. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's as stupid as it sounds. Yes, it is. Um, and, then, and then this last part where. Where, you know, again, it's another piece of, like, expositionary dialogue she has to explain. And I get it. Like, I'll give this part a pass because she has to explain why she needs the powers to energize her from her two friends, Captain Marvel and Kamala Khan, in order for her to have enough power to um, throw out, like, these kind of quantum rays. I don't know what they're called. They didn't even call it anything, but it's like she has, like, laser beams, laser quantum beams coming out of her hands, and she, she needs it to stitch it back stitch the uh the hole into the multiverse together um and uh she has to do it from the other side but there's no explanation as to why she has to do it on the other side she just says i have to and then as she's closing it and captain marvel's flying towards her trying to save her she's like i knew this was gonna happen it's like how did you know this was gonna happen like how did you know that you had to be on the other side and knew this was gonna happen it, it, none of that is explained and it's just completely 
ludicrous. And their, their sole purpose to do this was for us to be introduced to characters from the main timeline, which is known as Earth 616, traveling to another part of the multiverse. Well, she ends up landing. <laughs> and this was so this was so obvious to me. Um, but you know, but I will say, still very exciting for me. And my mates found it really exciting as well. Because we're still nerds at the end of the day. And that exciting thing is that she traps herself conveniently in the Fox universe. And for those of you who don't know what the Fox universe is and what's happening with this whole thing of like X-Men and Fantastic Four, blah, 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 blah. Really, really quick. The Fox, the Fox universe, are all the characters that were produced by Fox Studios. That is X-Men, Deadpool, Fantastic Four. And there's probably some other characters there sprinkled in there. But that, those are the main characters that we, we all know. Um, and Fox Studios was brought out by Disney uh, a few years ago now, like four years ago, maybe five years ago. And the acquisition was the seal of the deal for those characters to be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe by Marvel Studios. And this is the first time that we officially get this connection. It's kind of officially. It's kind of happened a little bit in Phase 4 and 5, which was kind of stupid as well, um, the way they handled it. I don't want to get into it. But we get introduced to um, uh, these other two characters that... That was pretty exciting, and I, I got chills, and I yelled out the name before he even appeared on screen because I could recognize his voice. Of course, I could recognize his voice. And that is Monica Rambeau wakes up in a parallel universe. She is greeted by an alternate version of her mother, Maria Rambeau, who plays a character called Binary. And the character that starts talking before he moves into frame, I recognize his voice from a mile away, and that is... Kelsey Grammer, aka Hank McCoy, aka The Beast. Um, yeah, and he was uh, X Men Two. Amazing, amazing! It was awesome, and he looks great as Beast. It's CGI Beast, which is so much better. The Beast that he was playing in X Men Two was like prosthetic Beast. <laughs> he looked, he looked okay, but uh, Kelsey Grammer—he's an old dude. He's not a—he's not an athletic guy, and he's definitely not a beast, you know. And Beast in the comics is like this huge monster that's muscly as shit. And uh, they created CGI Beast and they used um, Kelsey Grammer's voice, which was really cool. It was so exciting. Um, yeah, so that was cool. And that is the end of the Marvels. And the best thing about this movie was the X-Men scene. Thank you very much. And um, you know what? If you like this review and recap, then... Um, Give us a like on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. This will be in the show notes, by the way. Um, at Legit Cool Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, which is Legit Cool Podcast Movie Talk. Um, and uh, yeah, give us a follow and share the social media accounts with uh, any of your friends who are interested in this type of content. Movies, occasionally TV series. Um, and that is it from me. Thank you again for tuning into this. Um, oh! Last thing, a rating. Are you surprised at what the... <laughs> you can probably guess the kind of rating that I'm going to give this out of 10. I'm giving this a 3 out of 10. Disappointed in you, Marvel, and I want you to do better. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty self-righteous uh, um, sentiment right there. So, yeah, forget that. But look, I, I just I, I want it to go back to what it was before. 
doesn't have to be exactly that, but give us that same feeling. Replicate that feeling that all of us fans love so much in Infinity Saga and give us something good. We're, we're rooting for you guys. We want you to make some good shit. It's not like we're, we're wanting you to fail. No way. And these characters, like especially Captain Marvel, such a cool character in the comics. It just doesn't happen with the MCU. You just don't land it. You know? You just put it into the hands of like someone like Marcus McFeely or something. And these, these guys will just write the sickest character. I have no doubt. <laughs> but that being said, I do believe that Marvel is... It, this isn't the end of Marvel. And I, I do believe that you have some exciting things coming up. Um, and I can't wait to see the rest of the Marvel stuff. You know, absolutely. But right now, I'm just not on that board on that train at the moment unfortunately and by the way quick side note before i end this podcast um pedro pascal got uh, officially announced today as being cast as mr fantastic i'm not overly enthusiastic about that casting i'm not a huge fan of pedro pascal um but uh, i do like him in the mandalorian i haven't seen him in uh that famous tv series what's it called um left of us or uh wait <laughs> I'm butchering it. I can't remember what it's called. But, um, oh, Last of Us, sorry. Last of Us. Haven't seen that, but, um, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm keen to see what he does with it. I think he's got good range. Absolutely. Um, my reason for disliking him is, uh, I think, just personal preference. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm completely on board or sold with, uh, any other work that he's produced, but I do think he's talented. And, um, yeah, we'll see what he can do. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, thank you for coming into the podcast and we'll see you soon.